Hello everybody and welcome to Sound of Play. Every Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. 
and joining me, Leon Cox, continuing my catch-up with community members who expressed an interest in Sound of Play 144 is Suits, a.k.a. Nick Suiters. Welcome to the Sound of Play podcast. Good afternoon, or early, early evening, I suppose it is. It's evening, but yeah. who knows when people will be listening. Indeed, indeed. So, uh, Nick Suits, yes. um, in a, like I've met you in real life because you came down and joined us, uh, part of the Kane and Rince team at the Eurogamer charity quiz early this year. We did all right. I think we did okay. We did. We did, considering... Um the awkward rounds but no it was good fun i thought we was uh we put up a good effort yeah fourth i think we came uh we did overall out of about was it 12 or 13 14 something like that i can't remember um outside the prizes um but yes the the questions were uh quite heavily euro gamer weighted oh yeah uh, so fans like you know i i read bits of eurogamer and i use their their news to post on our facebook page and all that sort of thing but i'm not like down with all the lingo i'm not down with every member of staff who's there that's right um, yeah i see them around from time to time because obviously they're based based in brighton hence the quiz being down here but mm-hmm. um but yeah no it was, it was a fun evening and um yeah and the loading bar that, that held it obviously we're very lucky to have that in brighton now it's uh, it was a long time coming that was nice it was really cool down there yeah, I haven't been there enough, really. I've only been there a couple of times still. I should go down there more. But um, decent coffee, good chips. Very good coffee. Yes, and good chips, too. Yeah, you're right. You bought chips. And, I did uh, buy chips. They were, they were excellent, yeah. So uh, that's a little plug for the loading bar. <laughs> um, hopefully they can they can repay us in kind at some point. I'm sure if we do any uh, live events that we've been talking about for six years now, um, loading bar is a likely venue, uh, certainly for part of it anyway. Uh, but yes, welcome. Uh, Nick, you've been uh, in and around the Cane and Rinse community for quite a while now, I would say. Several years? Yeah, uh, a few years now. Um I'm not a stranger to the internet and forums and what have yous. Uh, sort of a few, I've been on it for a while. But yeah. um, only recently, I suppose, with Kane and Rinse, I started looking at stuff for games. And uh, I found a little solace in the corner of the internet that is Kane and Rinse and uh, yep. set up camp there. Good stuff. And uh, yeah, you've joined in on our game nights and, and uh, yes. various other things like that as well. And uh, yeah, so you met up with uh, regular Kane and Rinse uh, guest guest, uh, Dan Clark, and yes. uh, kindly brought him down here and you uh, took took your, took the opportunity of a trip to Brighton to go to our, our really, what is our now our one and only remaining independent game shop, Ninja Game Den. Yeah, nin- Ninja Game Den. It was uh, it was good down there. I saw it's the... It's all right, isn't it? It's not bad. Um, he was really friendly as well. I forget his name at the moment, but no, it was a nice place, good selection of games and quite fair prices too, to be honest. Yeah, he runs a he runs a, a tidy shop. I was in there the other day and marvelling at how everything in every department, uh, every genre, every format, every platform is in yeah. alphabetical order. Oh um, yes, <clears throat> neatly labelled. Um, you know, he's obviously quite retentive about all that stuff, but I, but it's great because it makes the browsing so much easier, uh, especially when you're like you. You were kind of you know you you you're quite a collector, aren't you? And you yeah. You, yeah, you had your eyes on some uh, some things straight away. If you're looking for something, um, no matter how cool you try and play, you do tend to try and run in there and go straight to the section you're looking for. So if everything's alphabetized, it's uh, a lot easier to track things down. But um, yeah, he did have it quite nice, and it was good. What was your haul? Remind me. You got um, a, what did I get? Uh, Simpsons game. For uh, the yeah, System? I got uh, no a box NES uh, Masters. Um, box NES. I got a boxed Simpsons on the NES. Um, mm, right. 
and then it was Rampage on the Master System, uh-huh. and then uh, about playing along with the show. Yeah, it was that. That was the aim, yeah. um, and then about nine or ten uh, GameCube games that I needed. So uh, I picked those up, and then my bag was full, so I couldn't carry any more. So I had to call it a day. Excellent. Yeah, I was in there the other day, and as as I say, they uh, they had I noticed they had both Land Stalker and Dark Savior, and I was thinking, oh, that would be a, a nice little pair. But then I remembered I don't have a Mega Drive to play Land Stalker oh, anymore. Oh. So, but someday, someday the dream is to have the uh, the sort of ultimate gaming den, which has all the legacy formats in with a, a lovely uh, you know cathode ray tube TV and all the all that good stuff. But, a little uh, CRT, yeah, that's what I've yeah. got. That's what I've got. Yes, you and, and, and our Mikiel as well swears by the old uh, the cathode ray tube. Sony Trinitron, I think he's got. Uh, yes, me too. I've got a Sony, yeah. uh, a Sony PVM. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it sits on my desk. I'm looking at it quite uh, lovingly now. It's my pride and joy for my retro consoles. Yeah, someday. Someday uh, <laughs> I'll join you. I'll just have to slum it with my new Sony uh, 49-inch 4K. Oh yeah, and I'm responsible you for are. you spending a load of money as you well. Uh, you started I was a wave, <laughs> getting excited about uh, the the half gen step uh, of TVs and consoles, and um, my my enthusiasm uh, transferred via osmosis uh, into, uh, into your into your brain. I'm sorry about it that. Did. Well, I know I was on the edge for ages thinking about it, and yeah. I couldn't get a fifty for my office. So I had to get a forty. Of yeah. course, as soon as I got the 40, I got the Xbox X and the PSL Pro as well. So I upgraded. But that's all your fault. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully hopefully the uh, the uh, entertainment we've provided over the years uh, has, has, uh, has gone in some way to, to repaying you for Massively, <laughs> massively. Well worth it, well worth it. Yeah, so, um, yeah, well, you mentioned the Master System there. Let's talk music, our opening track. Uh, double track actually uh, is yes. from Alex Kidd in Miracle World, the 1986 Master System game. Now I've never been a big Alex Kidd guy, um, other than annoyingly correcting people when they call him Alex the Kid. I was going to say I'm going to have to be very careful around <laughs> Julian because I do <laughs> refer to him as Alex the Kid. <laughs> I mean, he. I mean, is he? He's kind of what is he? He's an elf. I don't a monkey. Know. He's got ears uh, like a monkey. monkey. I don't know. He's like a weird monkey elf, isn't he? Interestingly, you know, he looks on every piece of box art. He looks a bit different as well, so uh, it's, it's okay. hard to work out really. Cons- inconsistent. Um, yeah, so 1986, uh, you'd have been pretty young. Did you play this the first time around? Um, so the story for me for this is this was my first ever computer game. Um, I oh. begged and begged and begged and begged, and I managed to get a Master System two for one Christmas, and this was the game that was built in. So this was the first ever game that I fired up. I think I must have been about seven. So it would have been long, yeah. which would have been about 93, okay. 93. So it was already, re- you're already retro gaming and you did, just didn't even know it or care I at that point. I didn't even know it. It was just my, it was my first experience with, uh, yeah, mm. a game. Yeah, and uh, and the tunes, obviously we're, we're talking about uh, uh, limited 8-bit, technology with mm-hmm. uh, with cartridges with limited space so these tunes tended to be uh quite short <laughs> shall we say they were but at the time that was just how it was so it yeah. fitted the media perfectly you didn't you didn't expect anything more it, it was it was amazing that's why that's how it felt anyway at the time 
Mm. I suppose because I was already, uh, I'd already been Amiga gaming for a few years, so I'd had the luxury of floppy disks and Chris Hulsbeck's, you know, synthesizer soundtracks and all this kind of stuff and the Collins and all that. But yeah. but yes, I remember my uh, my cousin had a Master System around this this time as well, very early nineties, and uh, and yeah, he he was uh, he was he was overjoyed with its audio visual capabilities. And actually, of the the pieces you picked there, you started with the uh, with the main theme, which is um, a, a brief piece. But the, the the swimming piece, the second part of that, there is is almost three minutes long. It's yeah, um, it's wonderful. The reason I picked both was because it's the first level and it goes into it at the time. It felt quite yeah. seamlessly, but um, yeah, the intro, the that intro tune has been in my head for mm-hmm. years and years and years and years subliminally, yeah. and yeah. um, I hum it all the time. I don't know why. So I thought if ever I was asked uh, to pick video game songs or music, I thought I would have to give this, if not pick it, at least a mention because it's just so ingrained in me. And then um, as I was going over it again to listen to it, I heard the the swimming piece, the bit he drops into. And it just took me all back. um, And to just what at the time, because it was an introduction to gaming, what felt like a just a door to a massive world of everything and how different things could be um but yeah it it just takes me takes me straight back it's i love it i think it's fantastic so the composer is uh, Tokihiko Uabo, and uh, what his his earliest uh, compositions were for the Master System. This was this was relatively early on. He'd, he'd previously done uh, Choplifter and Action Fighter, which was their right. Sega's sort of spy hunter game. Um, went on to work somewhat on the Mega Drive with Space Harrier Two, and he worked on the first two Fantasy Star games. Of course this being the time that it was he was working for sega am7 and mm. uh he was working under the under the pseudonym of Bo. so most of his credits are just simply uh-huh. as as Bo. uh in uh, and you'll find Bo on uh such great titles as quack shot starring donald duck Good. and super Good monaco gp and um on the revenge of shinobi where the music was of course by yuzo kashiro uh, uh, he was he was sound coordinator and programmer these names they go around and i I, I can remember when you'd finish a game or see credits and you'd see all the pseudonyms and we just me and my friends were like what's all this about but it's not until you realize why they did it later on it makes sense but um yeah very very clever guys i think yeah. to do what they could do with uh with this hardware and this tech and just something else i wanted to go over the mm. reason why i picked um this specific version of um, Alex Kid in Miracle World, or Alex Kid in Miracle World, <laughs> is um, it's the 50 hertz version because that's what I'm used to. So, whereas yeah. the PAL and the NTSC with the 17% speed difference and what have you, yeah, I in certain applications I prefer the PAL 50 hertz versions. Another yeah. one um, that's what you grew up with. Precisely, sure. precisely. Yeah. So whenever I go back now and I listen to Sonic the Hedgehog music, mm. it <laughs> sounds a bit rushed. It sounds yeah. a bit too pacey for me. I know, I, I know. I do know what you mean. I've I've become re uh, reaccustomed to it over the yeah. years. But yeah, it was like there was a certain kind of laid back groove about Green Hill Zone. But exactly, Marble yeah. Zone. It just felt like yes. it felt funky and sort of like smooth and rhythmic. Um, yeah. And then when I hear the NTSC, the NTSC versions, I just it feels a bit edgy, a bit too racy. But I suppose, like like you said, it's just what you grew up with. I imagine if you'd come to it the other way round, you'd be like, "What the heck is oh, going on here?" Fuming, yeah. you'd be fuming. 
<laughs> and certainly in the way the games uh, felt to play, uh, it was all right if you weren't used to the to the sixty hertz. But uh, if you were, it was yeah. yeah, like running through treacle. Sonic was not so Sonic. No, yeah. Uh, so, as always, we're also going to include some selections from our community. We have uh, a big old list of picks from uh, the forum. Uh, the thread goes on and on, and uh, we go back through it. We pick pieces out, depending on the show and how they slot in. So, uh, we'll start this one with uh, Blue All Day, who says, In my opinion, one of the best tracks ever composed for a video game. Repeating, building, Falling like a magic spiral made into sounds. It sets the tone for not only this game, but the series as a whole. And what are we talking about? It's the prelude to Final Fantasy on the NES. of course with the prelude uh, a loop there of um, and we are currently covering the Final Fantasy games for the Kane and Rince podcast we started with that Final Fantasy 1 back in issue 297 last year we're up to 3 now working our way through the series we'll be at 7 by the end of 2018 and I still haven't really decided what to do with all the the odd ones and the sequels that come in the future but uh yeah whatever we should we'll worry about that uh cross that bridge when we come to it yeah so regards to the final fantasy playthroughs um mm. are you thinking of doing well, i suppose you wouldn't be the mystic quest games um i think as as when we did the uh the, the mario series we kind of sidestepped the the, the yeah. spin-offs and handheld stuff with a view to perhaps coming back to it all someday um, so I think it might be it might be like that, but I know particularly the um, yeah the first the first one has um, was it the Game Boy game the Mystic Quest was, there was uh, two so there's one oh, okay. there's one on the Super Nintendo which is Mystic Quest uh, Final yeah. Fantasy Mystic Quest which is oh, which is a sort true. of the typical Final Fantasy games uh, like yeah. the ones on the NES uh, random encounters and what have you mm. and then there's one on the Game Boy uh, Mystic Quest it's what it's called here I think in America it's called something else. Um, Final Fantasy something, but that's more right. of a Zelda uh, Link's Awakening type game. 
Um, and I actually played that before I ever played a Zelda game. So that was my mm. that was my that was my introduction to RPGs, and my only ever Final Fantasy game I've enjoyed, unfortunately. Mm, okay. Yes. I mean, uh, well, obviously, we're we're spending many hours talking about the the pros and cons and our personal responses to the Final Fantasy games. Uh, mm. Yeah, I think um, we we feel like uh, going back to the earlier ones, even the remakes, is is perhaps. Uh, is is a challenge in itself um but uh we've got the uh the, the super nintendo trilogy as it were now four five and six yeah. so it'd be interesting to see what 16-bit brought to uh brought to the uh brought to the party and also of course being able to hear those uematsu compositions having the extra uh oomph of the super nintendo available to him instead of the mere the mere beeps of the uh of the nes indeed for all that he did with it uh yeah like you actually i i think my See, I think I've misremembered and possibly even misspoken on this podcast before because I was saying my first, I thought my first JRPG was Secret of Mana, which which we're also covering this year yeah. on its anniversary. But I'm thinking back now because I had a Mega Drive for a long time before I had a Super Nintendo, so like several years. And I, feel, I have a feeling that I played, uh, a, there was a game by uh, Sonic Software Planning called Soleil, which mm-hmm. was a, a neat little JRPG with, with Zelda, uh, big Zelda elements. And there was also, of course, um, Story of Thor or Legend of Oasis, uh, which was by the Streets of Rage people and also had huge uh, sort of Zelda elements to it. So, yeah, I, I don't actually know anymore what my first, I remember playing a little bit of one of the early fantasy, uh, possibly the first one on the Mega Drive fantasy stars. It was Fantasy yeah. Star 2. Fantasy Star 2, I think it was, with the red. I yeah. just didn't know what I didn't. No. I'd never seen the genre before, so I didn't I didn't understand what was going on. Yeah. My friend was showing it to me, and I was like, huh? <laughs> this it, is weird. It all, came, it all came a bit quick and a bit heavy for me when I was too young to really understand. I sort of, oh, I, yeah, that it, too. Yeah. It was back in the day when you'd see a game, you'd look at the cover, you'd think, oh, this looks incredible. And you'd put it in, and you'd just be pressing C or B, and just you'd know what's going on, and yeah. Too much for my little mind at that time. Confusing, badly translated text. Uh, uh, yeah, and that. <laughs> confusion caused by going from multi- one perspective to another. Uh, lots of houses and things that were all like TARDISes so that you would, you know, you go into a little building on the outside and then you'd be in a big building on the inside and all, all this stuff combined with <laughs> yeah. this turn, turn-based combat that you weren't necessarily used to unless you'd kind of grown up playing maybe strategy games or tabletop RPGs. It yeah. was genuinely, it's it's hard to transport yourself back there now, but yeah, I, I genuinely have this feeling of being somewhat baffled, intrigued to an extent, but also baffled by early exposure to JRPGs. <laughs> And almost, almost scared off as well at times. Oh, definitely, yes. Yeah. And I still feel like that with going into some of the more complex systems of the of, of the even the, the modern know, the, ones, like the, 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 even the less modern ones, even the nineties ones. You know, like once you start to get into the systems that they started to bolt on, you know, away from the normal progression of more armor and more swords and yeah, things. job but when roles you start, and things. Yeah, well, as soon as it, yeah, as soon as you start to get into job roles and grid sphere grids and <laughs> other materia systems and all this sort of thing it's suddenly like actually that's where a lot of the interest lies but but if you're if you if you're not confident in that in that stuff then um yeah you can find yourself sort of running running it, back for something simpler it does and it all reflects to a simpler time as well where like if you bought a game you invested in it so you couldn't afford to put it in and be scared off by a few fights it didn't understand. You had yeah. to sit and do it. Nowadays, you can just reach for something else. So you just <laughs> you haven't got time. But I can yeah. I can definitely remember thinking I just got to keep pressing on, keep pressing on. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, that's kind of similar to the feeling we have when we commit to something for the podcast, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, I've got, <laughs> got to get to the end of this uh, to make it all worthwhile. But actually, yeah, now we have, uh, we're not only judging ourselves, um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it does come with its own challenges, obviously very much in the oh, first imagine. world problems camp. I, oh, yeah, totally. But uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it is sometimes, you know, that thing of you've got brand new, exciting, new, shiny uh, you know, very accessible game, and you have to play ancient JRPG that you're not necessarily loving. It, yeah, it has its challenges, but, but I bet I bet it's worth it when you reflect back on it and think about it. I bet it, I bet it's such a wholesome feeling, that, yeah, knowing that you've right. done them all. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, and that so much of it, so so much of setting Kane and Rinse up was about tackling the the never ending eternal backlog. Oh, the, and, uh, the eternal backlog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right, well, we mentioned handhelds, we mentioned Mario Land side stories, and, well, perfect segue. Tell us about uh, the piece that you've chosen, which only goes by the name 3, because it, it was just does. tune 3 on the OST, and it plays on at level 2, 1, and 2, 2. So, right? yeah, um, my Game Boy. Well, I loved my Game Boy. Um, yeah. I had the Mars system first, and then I got a Game Boy. I think it was the year after, or maybe two years after. And then that was my setup for a number of years. Um, but this Mario game was, I think, the first... It's the first... Certainly the first Mario game I owned. Um, I think it, yeah. was the, it was definitely the first Mario game I completed. Mm. And it was the first game I played on the Game Boy where it sort of struck me that the console was something more than like a little handheld toy. Um, previous to this, I had Tetris. Uh, of course. But, of course, standard. Um, but I can remember putting this in and the music on the first level, uh, just the coin drop, and then it just kicks in and the yeah. chip tune, the snap, the crackle. Um, and I even had it on cassette they actually released it. I think it was in the charts. They had it on cassette as well. And oh, I wish. Oh, I- well, there was a Super Mario Land uh, yes. uh, song. Maybe they put the just the. Maybe did they put on the B side the actual OST tune or something? My memory's sure. hazy. I might. I, yeah, I, I, I might. Too. I might be wrong. But in my eyes, looking back now, it was that was it. Yeah. Um, and that. But yeah, that song was fantastic. The, the whole game is wonderful. Um, but the reason I picked number three um, was I just thought it. My. It, it brought it all together at a good sort of pace and it's the song on the game apart from the first song that is the mm. most sort of mario sounding song if that sort of right. makes sense it's yeah. happy it's chirpy and um yeah every time i hear it, it takes me back and uh, again i whistle it I, I whistle it in fact i was whistling it in the office the other day and someone looked at me and said that's mario land on the game boy isn't it and i said yes it is Thank you. 
So that is the track that's known as Three, which plays uh, at the start of the second set of levels. Uh, it's been a long time since I played Super Mario Land. The only downside about Super Mario Land was how short and easy it was. Uh, yes. I say downside. I mean, sometimes it's nice just to whiz through something, but it was quite short and quite easy. It was. Um, in fact, when um, I was doing, I was shifting some stuff about and I found uh, an old Crystal Game Boy and uh, I thought I'd test it to see if it worked. And the first cart I pulled out of my mix box was uh, Super Mario Land. So I put it in mm-hmm. and I thought I'd test it. Uh, and then... I think it was 39 minutes later I yeah. finished it um, because as I was playing it, I was enjoying it. I looked at the clock and I sort of made a mental note. Um, I, di- I didn't do the hard playthrough. So once I finished it once after the yeah. 39 minutes, I just thought, yeah, that's good. But um, yeah, but it's still fun. He's, yes. he's got a weird sort of mechanic where he sort of, his legs kind of roll like tractor wheels. Well, that's how it feels to me. He's sort of got a bit yeah. more momentum. But mm. um, yeah, very good game. Yeah, I guess that's yeah, that's how they they transposed Mario back into into eight bits. And um, actually, no, this would yeah, this would have been just before his sixteen bit debut, even. So uh, I guess his last yes, his last eight bit debut. Uh, yes, it was um, obviously it was limited by the the size of the screen and the visibility aspects. So they did sort of, you know and and the processor of the 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 Z eighty chip that was in there. So they had to cut down on kind of moving elements and stuff. And and it all led. And I suppose they it may have also been somewhat deliberate just to make a game that was really accessible because the Game Boy was um, you know one of those times as we saw later with the Wii and and now again maybe to an extent with the Switch we certainly saw it with the DS where there was a bit of a crossover there were a lot of people with Game Boys who weren't you know your standard gamer which in the late 80s early 90s tended to be adolescent males there were lots and lots of stories of uh, you know mums quotes getting addicted to Tetris and all this kind of thing so I think there was a bit of a breakout wasn't there there's that famous photo is it Hillary Clinton on Air Force One sitting sitting there playing a Game Boy with Tetris Right, yeah, and I remember Lloyd Cole of uh, of Lloyd Cole and the Commotions was was a big Game Boy guy, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was it was an interesting time. Um, yes, and yeah, not one but two records uh, in in the charts, which spun off from Game Boy games. Um, mm. Obviously, the other one was the Andrew Lloyd Webber produced version of the the Russian folk music that's in the, in Tetris. But as with this tune, uh, it was Hirokazu Tanaka who actually um, did the the music in the game. Um, in his other works include Metroid, the original Metroid that is, as well as oh. uh, Mother, um, or uh, and Earthbound as well. Doctor Mario, and uh, he's sixty now, but he's still working at uh, Creatures Inc. Working on Pokemon stuff. Mm. Uh, Look out for the name Chip Tanaka or Hip Tanaka, as he's sometimes Ooh. known. Which is, it's his street name, is it? Yeah, <laughs> it's just very, very cool. So moving on a few years now for another request from the forum. This is from Sam Watt. And this is a, a piece by a musician who was best known uh, for his work in the 80s with an actual really big successful band so sam says lofty castle is not a particularly memorable stage but the accompanying track contains so much of what was spyro to me cloudy vistas imaginative worlds and charming designs lofty castle's theme is a microcosmic concentration of nostalgia for what the spyro experience was to me what I found most enjoyable about the series as a youngster when it was simply about exploring new dreamlike worlds without the pretentious narratives. The melody here is hopeful and adventurous with a string of fairy tale piano throughout, perfectly set alongside the playful and mischievous enemies of Lofty Castle. 
Mr. Copeland's distinctive percussion and charismatic guitar riffs have etched in me a permanent childhood memory, and I believe his accomplished score perfectly captured the tone and charm of the original Spyro the Dragon. So that was Stuart Copeland of The Police, of course, and uh, many a soundtrack uh, with Lofty Castle from the original Spyro. That was on the PS1 in 1998. I know a lot of people are looking forward to uh, the inevitable re-releases. You can buy and play the original games on the uh, Vita in their uh, PS1 incarnation or your PS3. Uh, so I was, I always felt like I was a bit, as much as 
as much as I was playing Banjo-Kazooie in 1998, Spyro the Dragon always felt just a little bit too kiddie for me. I know what you mean. I was exactly uh, the same. And I was I was like 26 years old or whatever. Uh, I, I, I think you were a bit younger. But, 14 um, I would have been in 1998. Yeah, probably. And yeah, I can imagine. You'd probably be more awkward about it at four, or 14 Definitely. than you would be at 24 in yeah. some ways. I mean, I think all I was playing at 14 would have been Destruction Derby 2. Maybe, yeah. maybe Doom on the... I certainly had a PS1, yes. um, but I certainly wasn't playing Spire the Dragon, unfortunately. Um, interestingly enough, or maybe not, but on my shelf behind me, I've actually got a PS1 copy of Spire the Dragon. Um, right. I don't know where it's come from. I think some well, friends give it to me or something. But um, I, I have noticed the remake coming out, and uh, I don't think I'll have a go of it, but... It was interesting, nonetheless, to see that these games were obviously quite fondly remembered because yeah. they're getting redone. Yes, I think. Uh, yeah, I think um, when the the whole Skylanders thing kicked off, and they sort of used Spyro as like a, a gateway to yeah. for old video game fans to understand Skylanders, um, and also as a as a way of kind of re re upping Spyro in people's uh, memories and and affections. But uh, yeah, I've never really loved. Uh, I've never had any real affection for Spyro. I do own these games on on the Vita, on uh, you know the PS One downloads, but um, yeah. I've never been particularly motivated to you know get them get them put up on the schedule for the podcast or anything like that. That's right. Um, interestingly enough, with regards remakes and re releases, uh, going back to our first track, um, Alex Kid and Miracle World, that's coming mm. out on the Switch in a couple of months, I believe. Oh, okay. Is it just the one game or are they making a compilation? And do you know um, who's handling it? That's the important thing. I don't know who's handling it. Um, there is an article. It was quite. It was open the other day. There's a raft of um, old Sega games coming. Um, mm. But I'll, def- I'll definitely be getting Alex Kidd, uh, Alex Kidd, sorry, in Miracle World. Um, <laughs> because, again, that car is about £90, I think. And the, right. only, the only way I can play that is on my original Master System, which I don't have hooked up. Mm. Um, I have a Mega Drive and a power-based converter, but because I haven't got the cart for it, I haven't played it in about 15 years. So this mm. is this is when backwards, com- not backwards compatible, this is when re-releases really work. Yeah, so I played the Mega Drive Alex Kid a uh, bit uh, on various re-releases and compilations, and, and uh, it, it's quite cute, but I didn't really get along tremendously well with the gameplay. I wonder if... Yeah. I wonder if the Master System version uh, or predecessor was simply, you know, a a better designed game or... I don't think so. No, <laughs> no okay. I, I, I can't remember it being uh, being fantastic, but... Uh, Absolutely flooded with nostalgia for you, so... It's where it started. Um, it's what started it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't say fairer than that. So, uh, obviously, as you get older, one of the good things about getting older is you care less about what other people think about what you're playing and all that kind of thing. So you wouldn't necessarily be put off by playing something silly or cutesy or whatever. And uh, case in point would be uh, something like this. The fact that you're about to share this track with us from Rhythm Heaven, which is uh, extremely cute and very silly indeed. Tell us why you picked Air Rally. So Rhythm Heaven, um, when it, uh, I wasn't really aware of it. I didn't know it was a thing. Um, again, rhythm games, I didn't really find my way into. Parappa the Rapper was something I caught of, didn't really pay much to attention to. It looked a little bit childish, again, in my younger days. Um, and then I've got a friend in Japan that sends me over these care packages. 
always good always good and i he recommended a song on the forum and uh, he said it was like the sort of tunes you hear on uh, the rhythm heaven games or the rhythm paradise games yeah. so i was like okay then i saw a new one coming out on the 3ds so i thought i'll get that um when i got it put it in lots of little mini games um i like music um i like beat focused music and that's predominantly what these games are um I like to think I've got a little bit of rhythm. This test did that. And yeah. um, I worked my way through it. But interestingly enough with it as well, with the Rhythm Heaven um, and with most uh, 3DS games, if you've got two 3DSs, you only need one cart to be able yeah. to play it multiplayer. Yeah. Um, so my wife had one, I had another, and we worked our way through it. And uh, this game, I can remember this particular song I can remember doing over and over again because mm. I just loved the beat and then in the end we got it down to a T. So that was the perfectly played version of Air Alley uh, with uh, audio presumably nicked from YouTube. I gather there's been some uh, there's been some changes to YouTube making such things more difficult. But uh, we have our ways, we have our methods. Uh, so the soundtrack to Rhythm Heaven Megamix is by a number of people. But uh, we know from previous research that uh, the the one known as Tsunk is responsible for the lion's share of the music so we'll we'll credit it to them uh him i think it is uh until we hear otherwise uh we covered the rhythm heaven series such as it was up to 2012 when we made the podcast back in cane and rinse issue 45 uh which and that does actually go up to and including the uh, the wii game so it does i think include every game that's in the mega mix on the 3ds that's that's Really good because the problem. So after I played the 3DS game, I was like, I want more of this. Mm. I want to feed the other games. Mm. So um, I got the one that was on the Wii, um, mm. and I put it in my lovely Wii U, and I booted it up, and it was so hard, impossibly hard, ah. to the point to the point where I was thinking, no, it shouldn't be this hard. This this, this, this there's something wrong, um, and of course uh, there was lag. Because, ah, because screen lag. yes, because mm. of the, because I was using the emulator on the Wii U to run uh, the Wii game, and I was using a flat screen and not a, a glorious CRT television. Couple um, of seconds, yeah, milliseconds, milliseconds, but en- yeah, but enough to make the levels yeah. unplayable. And I got to the the song where there's the mice that run around the clock, yeah, and you've got a yeah, well, it just wasn't happening. No, so um, no. Case in point, I then tried it on my Wii that was hooked up to my CRT, and it was brilliant. Were there no calibration options on it? No, maybe not. Um, not to the refinement that you would need to play a rhythm game. Um, right. Not that yeah. I could fathom out anyway. Um, and to hmm. be honest, once I'd played it on the CRT and saw it, and I was like, well, oh, this is 
just much better on it's a it's a better version for that screen anyway yeah um so i never went back but uh, yeah bit of a shame interesting yes because obviously i spent many years as 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 a lot of us did uh, calibrating guitars and drum kits for guitar hero and rock band and and yeah. having a good time with that but but the fortunately the 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 developers of those games put these the, the options in that were that were necessary um but yeah you, you make a very good point and actually one of the things i've noticed with uh with getting a new screen uh, after being with the same screen for 10 years which was you know did me proud and i loved it for for all that time but i noticed some games i was doing better at because the you know they've even though the new screen is is more you know it's got more pixels and yeah. it's got better colors they've just you know the tech's improved so when i'm playing twitch games i'm now doing better simply because the response times are uh, milliseconds in quicker in, input lag's a big thing and generally on screens and panels that's what i find is the thing that changes that that's what that's what can make a tv feel old um, yes yeah. quicker as, as soon as the screens get better so it's something you really have to consider when you buy one yeah especially if you're into uh kind of more old school games often or rhythm games um a lot of you know your kind of modern big third person action adventure stuff is less i would That's say less, less affected nothing to worry about yeah unless you're playing like something very very fighting uh, games is what is what they yes. say is what fighting you know. games is is key and maybe you know and, and stuff that's very technical like bayonetta and, and stuff like that but yeah timing you, you'd be all right with um yeah something god of warish or something like that for the most part but uh yeah uh now something more recent and i dare i say more obscure uh but we like to feature an eclectic mix on sound of play so this is a request from blue weasel breath from the forum who says stasis is a point and click adventure game with a space horror theme the classic game it most evokes is sanitarium due to its dark tone macabre visual design and isometric perspective if you liked sanitarium but felt it wasn't disturbing enough stasis is for you the fact that it was largely a one-man project for most of its development until a kickstarter allowed developer chris bischoff to bring some composers and voiceover artists on board is incredible when you see the quality of the in-game visuals and cutscenes. Highly recommended if you're a fan of classic adventure games, space horror and striking Giga-esque visuals. Rebecca's Lullaby is a recurring theme associated with the main character's young daughter and shows up numerous times throughout the game in different forms. It's a beautiful, sad tune, probably too creepy to actually sing to a child before bed when you come right down to it. And it's quintessential version linked below re re presents the melody using a wind-up music box timbre before opening up into an atmospheric sci-fi horror section. Other recurrences of this piece play on a cello, violin and a piano. The cello version is remarkable and evokes of all things the Schindler's List soundtrack. I'm also including the stripped down piano version because it really emphasises the melody which gets quickly left behind in the more ambient section of the original track. So this is Mark Morgan with Rebecca's Lullaby from Stasis.
a new piece to many of us, I expect. Well, I'm sure some of you have played Stasis. It sounds cool. Rebecca's Lullaby by Mark Morgan. Uh, that game's by The Brotherhood. Came out on uh, PC and Mac only back in 2015. I have to admit, um, I wasn't familiar with it. Um, so I had a quick look and what a cool looking game. Yeah. <laughs> just that isometric view. Um, just, yeah, really interesting. I didn't play it. I watched a, a YouTube playthrough, but yeah. Looks good. Looks cool. I know. So much stuff. So much good stuff. It's impossible to keep up with everything. Uh, hopefully it'll, yeah, it'll arrive in one's library in a, you know, in a bundle or something like that <laughs> one day. Uh, did I add it to the list? Maybe I did. Maybe I will. We shall see. Uh, that voice you hear, listeners, is my guest Nick, or Suits, uh, from the Cane and Rinse community. As I say, uh, I'm still working my way through. Uh, it's, it's, it's a decreasing diminishing list now of people who have expressed an interest in coming on and sharing their favorite tunes uh if you were one of those people some time ago uh you may you may hear from me in the not too distant uh so nick uh you've been sharing some of your favorite tunes with uh, some you know some happy memories from times gone by but this one uh is a more recent piece from yes merely 2015 uh, a game that a lot of people i noticed of I, I mean this this game has now come it's a one uh, we were just talking about one person project games this is very much one of those thomas hap who yep. wrote the game designed the game wrote the theme tune and <laughs> played the theme tune um etc <laughs> etc et uh and so the game has been sort of dripping out on more and more formats over time came uh, i think it orig- originated on ps for and we and possibly um we uh, yeah, say we for it, that was weird vita <laughs> and ps3 possibly and since then it's dripped out on wii u and switch and i think it's on everything now yeah uh probably yeah, almost certainly on everything so uh, a metroidvania type affair 2d side-on game very strong and obvious metroid influences yes uh, but this this uh, floated your boat did it it did. Um, when this first uh, came out and was announced, um, it very much piqued my interest. I'm a big Metroid fan. Uh, Super Metroid, um, that's the one for me, um, as well as the recent Metroid 2 remake that was recently put out on the 3DS. Um, I'm just a big fan of the gameplay. Um, I like the sort of theme and the tones, and Axiom Verge nails it totally, 100%. Um, it's engaging. Um, the Even from even from the first aspect that Thomas Happ has done this all by himself, yeah. uh, the music, um, the artwork, um, all his. Um, so yeah, I, as soon as I realized he was, he was a Metroid fan and he, he was making this game over time, I thought this might be good. And then it came out on PS, uh, PlayStation 4, I didn't have at the time. Um, so I longed for a sort of Xbox version because that's what I was using at the, mo- at, at the time. When it eventually came out, I wasn't really paying it much attention. Um, and then it landed on the Switch. And I thought, what a perfect sort of console to play this sort of game on. And um, it came out, but uh, I'm a bit of a sucker for physical games. I like like to have the game in my hand. So uh, I waited until the physical version came out. And I actually got the Multiverse Edition, um, which came with uh, the CD soundtrack. There's an interviews, posters, art book, and all that sort of stuff. Excellent. Is this Um, limited run games? uh, No, it's not. Um, No? No, it's just the Multiverse Edition. I think it's on multiple formats. um, Okay. But it came a bit later to the Switch. So I picked that up, put it in my Switch, um, put a big, nice, deep set of headphones in, and just got into it. And this the song that stuck out in my in my, in my mind uh, mm. is this song, which comes in probably about two or three, maybe four hours in, in into the game, and it's 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 at a point 
where you get with Metroid games, how I feel when you become comfortable with the controls, you get the game, you get the sort of pacing, and then you start to get the first sort of obstacles in your way. And with Axiom Verge, for me personally, um, I got the scale of the game, the scale, this, this, the size of the world you're in, uh, was just as much of an, just as much of an obstacle um, as the puzzles itself. Um, and this track that came in, just sort of driving, sort of spacey, weird sort of song that just really sunk me into that level and into that game. And um, it, it made me think and made me feel like Super Metroid, um, just a modern version of it. Not in a bad way either. Really, um, really, really good. I think that was the intent. So, yeah, let's hear it. Inexorable. Thank you. 
by Thomas Happ. That was inexorable from Axiom Verge. If you haven't got it, check it out. Uh, people who like those sorts of games really like it. I've only played a, a little bit of it, but uh, it's definitely the sort of game we might cover someday on the other podcast for sure. Cana Rinse, check it out if you don't know it. Uh, now, this next request from the community uh, comes from a recently uh, n- recently added member of the community who uh, was somewhat distressed that in our recent uh, Sound of Play 140, our shoot 'em up special, we didn't include anything by this composer or from this series of games. Uh, so the contributor is Sergeant Silent, I reckon, SRGT, SRGT Silent, anyway, from the <laughs> forum. Um, now, yes, so Mikhail and I picked tracks that we loved from that uh, for that show, from that shmup show. Uh, I don't know. I can't speak for Mikhail. I don't know if he has any experience with these uh, with this uh, Tuhu project. I don't. So that's why I didn't pick any music from it, because I've never really heard any of it. I, re- I really enjoyed that sound of play. I, I'm not really much of oh, a shoot. I'm not really much of a shoot map player. You know, um, no, not really. It kind of just skipped me by because I was a little bit too young or not in the locale where the arcades were. I didn't really get it from that right. point of view. And then generally they, they were just so hard. The console ports <laughs> were. Yeah. So uh, they kind of pushed me away a little bit. But um, no, I listened to that sound of play and um, thoroughly enjoyed it. Sort of the in, uh, enthusiasm between yourself and Mikhail were brilliant. And uh, yeah, it was really good. Lots of good tunes in the world of shoot 'em ups, but yeah. uh, yes. Yeah, so may have been remiss of us to miss out, but uh, Mr. Silent or Mrs. Silent has uh, requested a few. Uh, the first of which we'll play today. Uh, SRGT Silent says the music really makes the game worth playing again and again. I'm terrible at insanity shooters, but that doesn't stop me from replaying it for the sense of accomplishment I get while listening to Zun, the composer. Somehow I get both a feeling of playfulness, but also that seriousness of the issue behind it. So this from Perfect Cherry Blossom is Yukari's theme, Necrofantasia.
from Team Shanghai Alice's 2003 uh, home. I don't know if homebrew is the right word, but uh, yeah, it's this. Uh, this it, I, I've looked a little into it. It's um, yeah, it's an interesting project that I. There's basically a big gap in my knowledge. I think other people have mentioned it to me before. This series of. Um, uh, what's the word? I've, I've even forgot. There's a Japanese word for the sort of the the, the homebrew shoot 'em up oh, really? scene. Yeah, uh, I'm not familiar with it. Yeah, I do. Uh, I'm just shaming myself here, but uh, <laughs> I'll come back to you on that. Um, anyway, there it was. Yes, uh, the longest track we're featuring today. I think that Yukari's theme from uh, Perfect Cherry Blossom by Zoom. Remember, listeners, as you've been hearing, please venture over to our forum canarince.com slash forum or follow us on twitter at canarince use the hashtag sound of play if you want you can even do it on the facebook page facebook.com slash canarince naturally request your favorite tunes from the history of the video games medium and we'll continue to include a selection in the playlist for each regular sound of play please subscribe to this podcast on whatever your service of choice is apple Podcasts, itunes or wherever else uh, leave us a review or rating on whichever service you can do that on it is really helpful uh, follow us as i say on social media twitter facebook and instagram and if you've enjoyed the show and you appreciate the time and effort we put into all the shows that we put out at least twice a week, please consider donating at our patreon.com slash rinse. The minimum is a dollar a month. You can do more if you want. Uh, you get each Cana Rinse show early and an exclusive monthly little podcast as well. Uh, before we hear about your final track, Nick, Nick Suters, Suits, who, you know, I'm most disappointed that I met you in real life in the sense that uh, you. <laughs> oh, nice. You, yeah, I know. It sounds nice. But what I'm saying is I wanted to I wanted you to actually look like your your consistent avatar. Indeed. Yeah. So if only we could all look like Roy Cooper. Roy Cooper. Yeah. So how come Roy is your your uh, your alter ego? Well, so I used to do the old forum rounds. I used to be on car forums quite, you know, in the late 07 to 010 or 012. And um, after a while, I just sort of used to pick one avatar and stick with it. Just, I don't know, for a reason. Yeah. Um, and then when I sort of quit the internet and all, all of its things for a number of years, and I was teased back in by Kane and Rince forum, <laughs> I thought, oh, well, I have to pick something now. And... Um, it took me a number of hours to come up with an avatar, but at the time I was playing, I forget what I was playing. I think it was three um, D World. Uh, might have no. been no, I think it was Super Mario Brothers Wii U, new Super Mario Brothers Wii U. Okay, yeah. And um, I was playing Roy, and uh, I just, it just, I recognised him, but he just his yeah. attitude, his spiked bracelet, his pink glasses, his scepter, and I was like, yep, I'm having him. And then he's just stayed. That's, that's you can never it change it. I can never you can. change it. You're not allowed, no. no. Uh, so, yeah, anything you want to plug? Uh, social media or other out outlets of your own? Not really. Not really. Quite simple and straightforward. Um, I don't really use Facebook. I'm on there. I'm only on there for my wife, so the photos are on there. Um, I don't <laughs> use that. Um, I don't really use Twitter. I only use Twitter for to follow uh, gaming stuff. Um so no, I just encourage everyone to go to Kane and Rents and uh, read about your read about your favourite games. Oh, bless you! Well, yes, uh, sign up to the forum. Uh, it is a genuinely friendly, intelligent oasis in among the stupid, angry morass of gaming places on the internet, and uh, we 
fully intend to keep it that way. Mainly we haven't had to do much keeping it that way because the culture is kind of self regulating, I think. Um yeah. once you well, I think I think once you my experience of other forums is is that once you let bad things go, that's when bad things start to multiply. Um, if we ever get really massive and we have to deal with, you know, thousands of new signups a day, then uh, maybe we'll readdress that. But as of now, it's a big community, well, big, sizable, let's say, not massive, um, of people who are willing to discuss and respectfully disagree with one another. And there is, I would say there is, zero name calling flaming trolling yeah. virtually virtually nothing like that whatsoever if you if you would miss all that stuff and you <laughs> would or you would bring it just don't sign up as simple as that uh, if you like the idea of somewhere where you can meet actual online friends and acquaintances and have a good time not always necessarily agreeing but still able to have discourse then yeah good place to be com slash forum so that's a double plug for the forum uh well thank you for that opportunity so uh in kind tell us about your final pick now we've featured some of these uh, bits before but this first time in this particular format okay um so this song uh for me is just the the greatest piece of video game music i i've ever heard um it's also one of the best instrumental songs um i it's one of my favourites. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can from the other from the other games from the game that's before and the games after. There are equally good music. In fact, you could pick any track from uh, this game and it would be outstanding. Yeah. In my opinion, I think it's layered. They're structured well. Um, they bring a a sort of a feeling. Um, it, it it gives you the sort of it feels like eighties eighties America at night with neon lights and rain, um, and as mullets, you, mullets, crowbars, bandanas, <laughs> all that sort of nonsense is brilliant, um, and I just I, I sort of lost for words for it really because I don't really know how to describe it. I I will stick this in anyone's ear that will listen to it uh, many times at many parties when the iPods are going around and they're plugging them in and stuff at certain times of night I'll go in I'll put my phone in and I'll put this on and some nice. people love it some people don't yeah. um, back in the day when we were younger we used to come back from being out and I'd run upstairs I'd go and get a mega drive and I'd go and get some AV cables I'd go oh, and get yeah, a, yeah, a stereo yeah, yeah. adapter and I'd be running leads just to play this song um, so yeah uh, it's it's just fantastic. So yes, the piece we'll be hearing is SOR Supermix by probably Yuzo Koshiro, possibly Motohiro Kawashima had some input. Uh, he's got a credit on the game. This is, uh, yes, from Sega's 1992, 1993, not in Japan. Um, Mega Drive fighting game. We covered the trilogy back in Kane and Rince podcast issue number 70 back in 2013, five years ago. Um, <laughs> and this is actually very well-timed because... On the uh, the day before this sound of play is released, the Streets of Rage trilogy is coming to Games with Gold on Xbox 360 and Xbox One, backwards compatible and all that. Um, and it's the very, very nice M2 uh, developer create, curated version of the trilogy. So you can play 
the uh, US, Japanese or PAL ROMs, even if, if you're weird and perverse, um, the music's at the same speed. Uh, and yes, yeah, very nice uh, compilation. So um, enjoy all, that. It's all about the Japanese version of Streets of Rage 3. The, yes. The version that sh- should have been the one that we got. Yeah. Um, which makes sense, which has a good story, has some weird character designs in it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but but as a game is so much better and makes, has so much more place than the unfortunate edited cut stripped version we got. Yeah, agreed. And uh, yes, and that really has got some pretty much uh, pretty out there music that Yuzo Koshiro was uh, was making by that point. Yeah, a little bit too much for me. But, Same um, here. Yeah, yes. it was, I could see what he was going for, but a little bit too much for me. <laughs> All right. Okay, well, uh, just remains for me, Leon, to thank Nick. Cheers again for coming on. No problem. Thank you very much. And we'll leave you listeners with SOR Supermix. Supermix.